Hey guys, Dustin Wynn, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio. Hey, this is Scott Snyder, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Paul Dini, listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Bat Force Radio, the DC Batman podcast with no limits. Tonight, I got uh, Robin D. Cross over in uh, the Great White Canada. Uh, boot. Great White or Great North? Great White always sounds racist. Again, I'll fix it. <laughs> and then uh, I am... Yeah, uh, the, the, the land of late comics. The Giga. And uh, I'm Bat Force Tom down in Southern California. Um, later on, we may be uh, joined by the Trunkler if, uh, if Santa gives us a... Uh, Late delivery, and then also you, you got to stop teasing. You got to stop teasing the people with these maybe trunkler things that don't come to fruition. Well, you, they're just going to have to stick around until the end of the episode and figure it out, um, or you know, come back every week to see because you never know. You never know who's going to pop in. Could be a twist at at the end of the episode. You exactly. know, it's either the either the trunkler shows up or Bruce Willis was dead all along. <laughs> exactly. And uh, tonight we are going over another episode of The Stack uh, for the new books of January the 3rd. And this is the second week in a huge big old week of comics around the holidays. Uh, Last week we had uh, some killer issues and uh, this week's no different. And uh, we're going to go through some Batman number 38, uh, White Knight, Batman White Knight issue 4. Hit some Nightwing, maybe hit up some Superman. And then uh, we'll see what else we got going on. But, um, yeah, let's just uh, start it out with uh, Batman 38, right? <clears throat> it's been um pretty awesome uh, couple of issues uh, ever since the War of Jokes and Riddles ended. Fans have been really uh, excited about the fact that, uh, well, it was around that time that, um, you know, the big news is Batman and Catwoman are engaged and they're uh, going to get married. And Tom King has been uh, running through a number of issues where, we're just basically seeing the relationship of uh, Selina and Bruce um, getting stronger and flushing out, and also how uh, other members of the Bat family are influenced by the engagement. Also, how Superman and Lois Lane have been influenced by it. And uh, this issue is kind of like a sidestep from that and a departure from where those things have been going. And it's kind of like getting back to nitty gritty Batman for the most part, right? Nitty gritty is putting it lightly. This (laughs) this is twisted as fuck. Yeah, on its own as a Batman, uh, as a story, like as as kind of like a, it seems almost kind of like a one shot in a way, right? Where it's uh, it's a very self contained. I mean, he could play on and and continue on with this character and uh, this story, but if he wanted to, he can just kind of leave it as like um, a very self contained little novella and uh, chapter in Batman that. Uh, it has a huge impact on Bruce that we can tell in the issue. But yeah, so he can either, Tom King, the writer, can either kind of keep going with this little storyline, or he can just have it like this little snippet 
in in the like a little little window into this part of Bruce in the middle of everything else that's going on. And like we were saying, this story is so fucked up, number one on its own. But then you compare it to the really lighthearted issues that had just come out, and it makes it even scarier. Yeah, it's like this was a reminder because we we just had a couple issues where you know he's uh, first he's hanging out with Selena talking about his relationship with Clark, and then uh, they they all have their double date where they go Freaky Friday and trade costumes at <laughs> the fair. And then it's like, this is a reminder, like, oh, and he deals, you remember that he deals with some really messed up shit as well. <clears throat> yeah, and he's really fucked up too. Yeah. Like, like uh, you know, we kind of see uh, Bruce as kind of like, you know, cranky and... Um, cranky but still, like, in love and, and willing to do things for Selena. Um and do certain things that puts him out of his comfort zone for Selena. And then you kind of like, I think, you know, especially like, anal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got it. I got it delayed. Yup. <laughs> but then you see, you see things like you, the, the issues have been basically kind of like shining a different light on Bruce Wayne in the character and Batman and showing him more in like a lighthearted tone, I think, or at least putting him in situations that are more lighthearted and showing like kind of how funny it is that he can't get comfortable in those situations. And um, it's it's nice to, or it's interesting to see the reaction online, both kind of like on Instagram and Twitter. There's these, all these people that the majority, I think, are saying like, wow, this is like totally awesome, you know, and people are really fanning out on um, Tom King's work and saying, oh, I love this. This is everything that we've ever wanted. Like, this is the relationship we've always wanted to see and it's canon and blah, blah, blah. And Batman and Selina are dating and it's awesome and kind of showing this kind of Batman. But then at the same time, like, you know what? Like, this is actually who Batman really is under all that shit. And when you peel back the curtains and you peel back the layers of the onion, this is what's at the heart of the character. And it's scary. Like, if you if you yeah. sit down and you psychologically break down what it takes or what happens to create Batman, the character, it's extremely sad and scary. And I think that's what this issue pretty much did is it gave us a very scary reminder into who Bruce Wayne really is. Um, but yeah, yeah and it's, it's, it's funny how the relationship stuff, you know, talking about his feelings with someone makes him uncomfortable, takes him out of his comfort zone. But when he's standing in a room with two mutilated bodies <laughs> laying there in front of him, soaked in blood, that's where he's like, ho hum. Yeah, he's like in his element. He's okay with that, yeah. Yeah, and um, what I like, what I really kind of like is I read it, I think I read it maybe three times, and it wasn't until the third time where I kind of caught the way that uh, Tom King purposely began the issue and ended it. And two things that he did is the, the first one is he kind of shows, like he's been doing in the last several issues, is there's, a lot, there's parallels. He's always using kind of parallels um, to reflect off of each other, like tone, so... It starts out with Bruce Wayne coming home in his mansion. Uh, you know, it's nicely lit. It's He's, he's in a nice suit. Um, he comes home and he sees Selena Kyle sitting there waiting for him, and then he smiles. He's, like, really happy, right? Which is not normal. Bruce usually comes home, you know, whatever, after a night of either pretending to be Bruce Wayne or after a night of crime fighting. He's never happy, but it's different now. He comes home and he sees his fiance sitting there, you know, in, in the couch waiting for him, and he smiles. And then the parallel to that is um, you're seeing the story kind of play out, uh, the case that he's currently working on, where this boy and his, and his butler come home, and they're telling the story of, they were supposed to just be there waiting. We came home, and they weren't there. And, um, 
you know, so so as Bruce is coming in, you see this kid coming home in the parallel of Bruce being happy and coming into his home and the kid being terrified and sad coming home to his situation. Um, and as the story goes on, we learn more about this kid whose name is Matthew, right? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, off the bat, I was creeped the fuck out by this kid. I don't know about you. But... Yeah, a little bit. It's It's off-putting that they have this thing going on. Like, you know, one, okay, you know, the kid's just sitting there all nonchalant after seeing his, his parents murdered. Yeah. But there's that weird kind of thing where you find out that he had this thing with his father, because uh, it's important to note that his father worked for Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh, on the Wayne Enterprises board. And the kid reveals after the butler comes in that they had this thing with the father where he called him Master Bruce. Yeah, uh, you know, like acting like he was Bruce Wayne, yeah. and I think that is sort of the first step. Like that was the first thing that went wrong with this kid's brain, for like yeah. a long time ago. Yeah, he has some fantasy about wanting to be like he, he likes being called Bruce Wayne, he likes to pretend to be Bruce Wayne. He likes this um, fantasy of dad pretending that I'm Bruce and calling me Bruce, and uh, yeah, it, it was just creepy as fuck. The kid's sitting there with his butler, you know, tending to him. And basically what happens is Bruce is presenting himself to kind of this kid um, as a friend, kind of like your parents were murdered. And, you know, I'm here to tell you about what it's like to have lost. And I'm here to tell you how to get through it, basically. The way Tom King writes is as one thing's being explained or one thing's being narrated, it jumps to the image or it jumps to a different scene that's kind of happening at the same time. And while Bruce is talking to this kid, it jumps over to Zaz. And uh, Zaz is, I believe, in his cell at, is it Arkham? Uh, that's what I uh, assume. Yeah. So Zaz is uh, imprisoned. I don't see where else. And he's got a piece of paper in his hand, and you see that he makes two cuts on his arm to signify that he's taken two new lives. Um, for those who are, not, who are not familiar with Zaz, that's his basic calling card. Every time he murders somebody... He's always got to cut himself to kind of, like, keep track of who he's killing. And um, it kind of gives a little bit of background. You know, Gordon's on the roof explaining to uh, Batman the scene that they found. And um, there's clues left. Essentially, the parents were murdered. Um, there's, a, there's a certain number of times that they were stabbed. And, yeah, he, uh, he has a pattern. So yeah. every time, whoever's doing this has been killing a man and a woman each time. Mm-hmm. And he does 37 stabs on the woman and 73 stabs on the man. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of stabs. A lot of, a lot of stabby. And obviously, you know, that uh, clicks with uh, Batman and, and um, he immediately starts to kind of go through his head and, and what that means. And could it be a code? What, you know, what does that represent? The numbers. So he goes back to... Uh, He's now, you know, looking at uh, Zaz and kind of. Um, oh, go ahead. One one part I want to notice about <laughs> I want to note about that uh, in his dialogue in Batman's dialogue with Gordon, uh, you see them going back and forth. Batman says thirty seven stabs on the mother, seventy three on the father, and Gordon says I know, but the coroner had it at, at twenty eight and sixty four. And Batman says the wounds on the neck were difficult, not much skin left to work Oof. with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it shows how brutal the the issue is. And I think what's what's cool about this too is what we didn't get in the last couple of issues is 
you know, Tom King's giving us a different type of Batman and showing us a different side of him. This is like 110% like the core of the character where he's straight up doing detective work right now. So, you know, crime happens, Batman's already getting the gears turning in his head, and he's acting like a detective and asking questions and kind of trying to follow up with, you know, clues and that kind of thing. And so um, I, I saw somebody on Twitter asking, like, ooh, like, you know, there's a couple of things that I, I'd, lo I'd love to see in this new issue. Like, I hope it's scary. I hope Batman does detective work. And, you know, I hope it's terrifying. And I remember responding back, like, check, check, check. <laughs> You're going to get <laughs> yeah. all those in this issue. So this is and like, also it looks fantastic. I don't know where they keep pulling these people from. Every couple issues, there's a different artist coming on to the main Batman title, and it always looks fantastic. Yeah, uh, Travis Travis Moore, Moore and uh, Julia Brusco doing the the uh, colors on this. This every page of this looks fantastic, and every. Uh, as it should, every setting through the issue uses a different color palette, and yeah. they they're all perfect. Yeah, it's it's uh, we're getting treats here with with the art. And I, like, um, I think you said that you were reading on that. Is it Bleeding Cool? I forgot what website you were reading where the article was. Yeah, yeah, a, cu a couple weeks back. Yeah, there was an article I believe it was on Bleeding Cool. Yeah, and it was uh, saying that this issue is almost like Tom King's Killing Joke, and. Um, I kind of kept that in mind because as I was reading and, and looking at the, the art and, and all that, it had, totally has the feeling of it, uh, even with the color and the tone, um, you know, with Batman being in the cell questioning Zaz and the way that his cowl looks in the shadows, the way that he looks, you know, in that scene. Uh, it's like super fucking old school, badass looking, you know, Batman, you know. So it's uh, it definitely had that tone of of, uh, of that story for sure, but also like on its own, like this was way more fucked up I think than than parts of Killing, Killing Joke is fucked up, but um, when you start throwing kids in the mix, that makes it even crazier I yeah. think. So. Yeah, and I think I think the a big parallel between this and Killing Joke was getting the and getting an origin story for Joker, and this. This book having what is you know essentially uh, the origin story of the future of a fucked up person. Yeah, yeah. And uh, did anyone ever say that like this is the introduction of a new character or if this is going to be a reoccurring character? I haven't heard anything. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it could be uh, Tom King's way of setting that up, or it's just a vehicle for him to show. Um, and I'll get to that at the end, but I kind of had like a theory now with with you know why this issue is jammed jammed in the middle of the ones that it is. But um, Bruce, you know, Bruce goes and interrogates Zaz, and he doesn't get the answers that he wants. And then he's going back to talk to Gordon, and he uh, it's basically what they figure out is that Zaz never left the cell, right? Mm -hmm. During the time that these murders are occurring, Zaz is there. Zaz is in prison, so. It can't be Zaz that's doing these killings, even though Zaz is trying to take credit for it, because um, he's cut himself after reading the letter, and then Batman takes the letter and uh, is w is working with Gordon and figuring out what the fuck the letter means, and they find out that uh, it's around Christmas time, isn't it? Uh, was this one wintry? Uh, I don't know. I don't know that it it didn't look particularly wintry. Something. It was. Um, they men they mentioned as far as like all the inmates got the same letter. Um, yeah. For whatever reason, during that time, so so all the inmates of the prison got sent the exact same letter, and they just thought it was junk. 
So normally they make sure to read through everything and, and before they distribute it out. And what they noticed is that, oh, this is the exact same letter addressed to every inmate. It's probably just some like religious whatever cult or whatever, or just some religious organization trying to, you know, whatever. So they just gave it to everybody because they didn't think it was that big a deal. And they even mentioned like, we thought it would kind of like be helpful, you know, or, or, yeah. or uplifting or something. And uh, it turns out that it was specifically sent so that Zaz would read it and, and something in a letter would trigger him. Uh, and again, like Bats is going even more into detail and, and kind of seeing these clues in the letter. And then he's um, figuring out specifically what the clues mean. And he comes to the understanding that it's kind of an address or a location that's, that's being given in the letter. Um, and then he's going and doing this more detective work. It's pretty cool how when he goes and he checks it out, you see Denny O'Neill Avenue, right? Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. And how uh, part of the the letter was actually Denny O'Neill spelled out backwards. That's right. So very uh, heavily nod, big old nod to Denny O'Neill. Um, uh, you know, and, and then Bats goes and investigates this address, and when he gets there, he finds that it's another couple that's been stabbed a shitload of times, um, which kind of confuses him even more. It's like he's hot on the heels of a serial killer. And he knows that somehow Zaz is involved. Um, somebody's been sending these weird messages to Zaz, and he's trying to figure out how it all kind of ties together. Uh, so then he goes and he beats the shit out of Zaz to hopefully get more information out of him, right? Now that that page when he finds that this latest couple, that while it's twisted and it's uh, a very messy murder scene. It's another beautiful page, and this this yeah. page looks a lot like uh, Francesco Francavilla. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The color palette on this, the contrast between the blues inside and the red and orange uh, of the outside. Yeah, really awesome looking and super. It's like really gory at the same time, but um, that contrast. It's, it's, it's of... been my uh, it's been my phone wallpaper for like uh, <laughs> a week or so, a week or so now. <laughs> nice. Yeah, um, Bats, he, he's get, he decides, is it that he, that he goes back to, as Bruce Wayne did question the kid, or is it like, it flashes back? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, I think, yeah, I think, I think it was just flashing back to, um, to the first visit when they were talking. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, it's explaining how the kid wanted to see Bruce, because he's heard that Commissioner Gordon may have, have figured out who the killer was because I think it got out. No, this, no, this, this is, yeah, this actually, yeah, you're right. I'm going back through it now. This is a, another visit. Yeah. So he's going back because the kid has heard news that they found out who the killer was, um, who I, they probably were assuming that it was going to be Zaz. And then it turns out that Zaz couldn't have been the killer. So the kid now realizes that, um, they knew who the killer was and now they don't. So he's kind of being frustrated and wanting to ask Bruce, like, what's the deal? I thought you guys knew who this was. I thought, you know, they were going to bring my parents to justice, and then Bruce basically swears they will be brought to justice. Don't you worry. Um, and as that's going on, it kind of flashes back to another murder that uh, Bruce and Gordon um, pick up on. So uh, in total so far, there's been six bodies that they've shown us, but I think there's been more. Um, but we've seen a total of six different bodies. And again, there's like more clues at the crime scene. The bodies are uh, like positioned in a way to where they're pointing and um, Bruce is kind of making note of that. And uh, as Batman, he's dressed up making note. And then it shows in the next page that he's talking to himself almost like in his sleep. Or Selena's laying next to him and he's talking to her basically like running through the, the case in his head. 
And as he's doing that, he fucking, it clicks to him, you know, something that makes sense. And he jumps out of bed and he runs down, I'm assuming he runs down to the Batcave. And then he finally shows up at an address. And um, it's the butler's address of the of the kid that he's been talking to, of the parents who got murdered, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he throws that motherfucker out the window. Um, and then catches him right before he dies to basically scare. Oh the no, shit. the the guy the guy the guy jumped out the window. Oh, did he to, jump out the window? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, he opens the door and it's Batman standing there. That's right. <laughs> and and he uh, goes hauling ass across his apartment and just dives out the window. So obviously, why are you fucking running from Batman? That doesn't look good at all for you. Yeah, yeah. And then the next page, it's so this is like something straight out of fucking Goodfellas, where it shows the dude Batman's throwing him into the fucking lion's den at the zoo. Basically to scare the shit out of him and to get him to talk, uh, which he does. And then the last, oh, God, dude, this shit is so good. And then he goes back to the kid, and he's questioning the kid a little bit more. And then at this point, because he's talked to the the butler, um, he essentially knows what's going on, right? Yeah, because the, the butler kind of started talking about uh, he's the child's guardian now. And now that his parents are dead, I control the money, all the money, all of it. You know, he said... Making himself look pretty guilty, saying that, you know, yeah, these people are gone because now I'm in charge of their fortune. Yeah, and and so, you know, he's talking to the kid, and again, he's kind of telling him, like, okay, you know, you're going to be okay, right? Like, everything's going to be all right, and the kid's like, yeah, I know I am. I want to be just like you, you know, and, and again, that just kind of like, this kid is a little too fucking happy-go-lucky for, uh, for his parents have just died. And then uh, it cuts back again to Bruce having dinner uh, at Wayne Manor, and Alfred's there, and uh, Alfred's serving him. And again, he's running through the um, he's running through the uh, um, case in his head, talking out loud, you know, talking to Selena. And then as yeah. he's doing it, it's kind of because this this what the thoughts that he's having here are tying back to the stuff that was going through his head when they were laying in bed uh, earlier in the issue. Because there was one, there was the obvious uh, uh it appeared that zaz would have this was a zaz type of killing but then no obviously it wasn't him but then they were also led from some of the clues uh there were you know the the two people were pointing the the two bodies their hands were pointing like they were clocks at 11 and 11 so they're thinking oh two you know twos is that up two face but uh he keeps going back to no no that and it it comes back here how he's thinking no it's it's that's too obvious you know yeah. he, he wouldn't do that and it's 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 making it too obvious to signal that it's him and yeah. again here he's saying that it seems childish yeah and then and then uh, it looks like he goes as Batman to um, uh, a cemetery and he sees this kid the same kid he sees, he sees Matthew and um, what was it. Yeah, oh my god, it says, I talked to your man again, I found more lions, he found another story about a boy who loved Bruce Wayne, who wanted to be Bruce Wayne, who ordered his butler to make him into Bruce Wayne, and the kid's like writing, carving Martha and, and uh, Thomas's name into a headstone, and just kind of... Um, yeah, he, scratched, he scratched out his parents' names right. on their headstone, and was carving in Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne. Yeah. He's, and... What else did he do? He's basically saying, when your parents die, uh, that kind of pain, what does it do? It's always there. It's scratched into you. 
You don't understand Batman because you're a part of them, part of the dark. You haven't suffered like me. And he turns and his and fucking Thomas and Martha are carved into his face, right under his eyes. And he's like bleeding from his face. I was so scared, but it's okay. It's okay to be scared. It just means you get the chance to be brave. And then Batman is like, Matthew, you need to come with me. I can help you. You don't know who I am. Master Bruce doesn't need help. Uh, I help others. I am inspired by my parents to save everyone. And then Batman says, listen, you're sick. And then he says, you're sick. You freaks are sick. Gotham is sick. Master Bruce is a cure. And it's kind of showing, uh, you know, Batman finally taking the kid in and taking him, I'm assuming, to Arkham Asylum. And again, the parallel of the beginning of the issue where Batman comes home after solving this case. Bruce Wayne comes home. He sees Selina there and he walks up to Selina. And instead of being happy, he's like ashamed or sad and he's like looking downward and um and he says you're a sick kid with dead parents oh he says you're not bruce wayne you're not bruce wayne matthew you're a sick kid with dead parents and the kid says yes well but what else is bruce wayne it's like super fucking crazy and and by that time uh the Thomas and Martha that he's carved into his face have turned into scars and yeah, he's just a yeah. twisted little kid. So just like super brutal, fucking crazy issue. Um a lot of things that we can kinda like dig into, but one thing, um obviously like like just that whole thing, like you're a de- you're a sick kid with dead parents. You know, he's trying to get the kid to snap out of it and the kid just comes back, he's like, Yeah, but what else is Bruce Wayne? Like that's what Bruce Wayne is. Bruce Wayne, Batman is a sick kid with dead parents, and it's just like, I mean, what were your when you read this shit? What were you fucking thinking? Well, I was prepared. Like after reading things like uh, this could be Tom King's killing joke, you know, I was prepared for for it to be messed up. I didn't. I didn't think it was going to be a psychotic little kid. Yeah, dude, <laughs> who had his parents killed and then carved names into his face. Yeah, right, way yeah, fucked up. Like, it, it was, I, I wasn't expecting it, and I think that's why it was awesome, is uh, even though, you know, I had heard the build-up of it and what the issue was going to be like, it wasn't anything uh, what I would have expected it to be, and I, that's why I fucking loved I mean, this issue was amazing, and, and um, it's... I, it's... I, I know from talking to other people who didn't hear anything about it that a lot of people think that there's another issue coming that was more of the super friends are. Oh, they thought so they're going to that. Yeah. Like they think that this next issue is going to be super friends. So oh. they're going to, they're going to go into their shop you know, when, when this issue comes out and you know, they're going to pick it up and they're going to be thinking that this is more super friends, you know, happy fun time. Yeah. And they're going to be surprised. You mean knocked on their fucking ass is what's <laughs> going to happen. Just like, holy shit. Yeah, they're going to be excited for some more funny, like a funny, cute shit. And then here comes a kid with a fucking names carved into his face. Holy shit. <laughs> the, but, um, this little kid going, funny how? No. <laughs> Can I get you a muse you? Uh, one thing that, like, uh, after reading it multiple times, I, I kind of picked up on was, again, like I said, the parallels. Like, the first the first page of the of the issue is almost the same as the last page. In that, on the left side of the panel, the panels on the left side, Bruce is coming home to Selena, and on the right side, the kid is going to his home. Where in the beginning of it, he's coming to his home with his butler. At the end of it, he's going home to whatever um, you know psychiatric hospital he's going to. Maybe it's Arkham. And what I picked up on is Bruce at the beginning comes home, sees Selena, and then he smiles. Bruce in this issue come at the end comes home, 
he sees um, Selena, and then he like looks down at the floor and frowns. And the way I took it was, you know, I was like, okay, well, he feels fuck like that kid hit a, hit a chord with him with as far as like who Bruce Wayne really is. Like I'm nothing but a fucked up little kid with dead parents, right? But uh, kind of like thinking deeper into it and how it like again like. Why would Tom King put this issue in the middle of everything else that was going on? And I got to thinking about it, and it's like, well, fuck, maybe, like, you know, what's the one thing that could fuck up Bruce and Selena's relationship? Because it's going so well right now. You know, everything's going great. And we were even saying a couple, you know, weeks or months ago, we were like, oh, you know, Tom King's going to have Bruce and Selena get married. And I think we were even like, that shit's not going to end nicely. That shit's going to, you know, something's going to happen, right? And I, I think that this is very much, like, intentional by Tom King to show that even though Bruce thinks he can pretend to be happy, even though Bruce thinks he can pretend to have the, a perfect life and a normal life, like, he is not fucking normal. He is the opposite of normal. He is bizarre. He is troubled. He is sick, you know? And it's it's a weight that Bruce carries with him and he comes home to Selena and he sees her and he can't face her because he knows who he is and he knows what he is and the reason that Bruce for so many years was pushing so many people away is cuz he knew that deep down inside the things that he carries with him he's incapable of having relationships because the two closest people to him were taken from him and so he almost uses that as kind of like a defense mechanism to keep everybody else away so he won't lose them and so I think that this is this fucked him up. Yeah, I was, I was saying I think it fucked him up to the point where he now knows what he brings to this relationship with with Selena. He knows what's going to be on the table. Like you know, he can't just give her a normal life. Like he's going to be fucked up all of his life, and that's a part of him. And if Selena wants to be with him, she's going to have to deal with how fucked up he is. And so I think this is kind of maybe a little hint at maybe him fucking sabotaging what's going on right now. Um, and and causing a rift in what might be happening as far as like later down the line with a marriage or even if they do go through with it, what it's going to be like once they're together, you know. So uh, I think, uh, furthermore, to uh, as far as implications to uh, how this is affecting Bruce's view of their relationship is seeing that okay, this is what happened to me. I just saw it happen to another kid. Mm. You know this this kid with dead parents and knowing that he's about to enter into the same sort of relationship with Selena, you know, they're going to get married. It's inevitable that uh, the possibility of a child comes into the mix. Oh, that's right. And, uh, you know, he's going to see, well, with, with their line of work, how good is the probability that, you know, they bring a, a kid into the world just to have that same thing happen to him. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Or, or her. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's fucking crazy. This issue is like, fuck, man, it was a thinker. And uh, it's good because I think it broke up the pattern of what we've been getting. Even though what we've been getting is pretty awesome, um, it just it just shows how good of a writer Tom King is. And something that <laughs> I tweeted, like, what is the mind of Tom King to be able to put out things that are so heartwarming as the annual then 36 and 37 and then to turn around and come out with something so horrific and chilling as issue 38 like what the fuck is in that guy's head <laughs> to like to give us these two different parallels but oh, man it was a great fucking issue 
and um, worth multiple reads. It was yeah, it was it was a great uh, change of pace issue too. Yeah, and um, if people haven't been reading Batman, uh, it's perfect for it's this is just like the quintessential like uh, Batman comic issue. You know, if you're going to read one story in the last couple of months, it's this one. Uh, or the annual. I mean, what I think what you do now is like, all right, read the annual, then read this one, and that's kind of like everything you want of Batman. Um, but yeah, this one for sure, it, man, it's just heavy as fuck. Um, some of the heaviest stuff we probably read in a long time, and I can't remember an issue that was this fucked up um, recently. But uh, yeah, man, Tom King is just again knocking it out of the park every every two weeks with Batman, and this one's no exception. And I would be very surprised if uh, he did not win some awards uh, for what he's been doing. Because if you just take the annual and this issue by themselves, like two of the best fucking Batman stories in a shitload of time, you know? Um, That's saying something, considering, you know, Scott Snyder just came off the book about a a year ago or so. I don't know how long Tom King's been writing this now. But, um, man, it's just like... I can't wait to see what else he does. He's pretty much given us everything. Yeah. And he still finds time to write so many other things. You know, he's doing Mr. Miracle and everything. How's that Swamp Thing book coming up soon? That's right, yeah. Yeah, so... I'm glad that he's uh, signed a uh, contract with DC and he's not going anywhere, right? Yeah. I think a lot of people, their favorite things from Tom are his one-shot stories and just short stories. Uh, I think a lot more people comprehend what's going on with his shorter stuff. You know, where it's boom, boom, boom. Here's the yeah. story. It's, it's hard for and stupid what, people to keep track. Yeah, right? Yeah, people are stupid, like, so. Uh, they like simple. Like, I, I, I enjoyed the first, like, his the beginning of, of his run when Rebirth started. I enjoyed it right from the beginning, but I appreciated the early issues more and more as it went through, like, the third and fourth story arc. And you start seeing how it was all one big story. Yeah, how yeah. every Bane tied back to Psycho Pirate. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think I think he I think he started out like wanting because you know he's doing it uh, twice a month, so that's hard. So he's wanting to like okay, well twice a month, like maybe I can go for longer um, arcs and I can weave it in and out and bring it back around and. Now, I think at one point he was like, well, fuck that. I'm just going to do my pacing, what I want to do. And it's so, like, the little one-shot, little one-two issues are so punchy. They're like, they're fucking boom, boom, you know? And that's super effective, the way he writes that stuff. And um, and, and, he, and he's also found a way to do these two-issue things, you know, these two issues, boom, two issues, boom, two issues, boom, that are, you know, these self-contained stories, but they're also building on the larger narrative yeah. of a big story that he's been telling all throughout, but just telling the stories in, like, two-issue increments, uh, in a way. It's fun to see, you know, it's fun to see what he's going to do and uh, where he's going to go, so... But yeah, alright, so moving along, we're going to go uh, cover Batman White Knight issue four, and uh, this was the this was a big boy of the week. I think Batman thirty eight is amazing. Obviously, it was great, but I've been looking forward to every issue, every new issue of Batman White Knight. Um, this is like my favorite book of twenty seventeen. I think uh, yeah, it's really good, and this issue in particular, it it hits on a lot of bases in this issue. There is a lot going on. 
Yeah. Uh, I did notice that. A lot of words, but it looks so good. And the <laughs> art is so amazing. And it, I didn't mind any I didn't mind any of it. There's the, the thing about what I've noticed about White Knight is there's been some action, but there hasn't been a lot of action. It's a lot of storytelling. And that's okay, because it looks fucking awesome. And uh, it's not boring at all. Like, it, I just want to... Normally, it's like, all right, when are we going to get to Batman beating the shit out of people? It's like, all right, when are we going to get to, you know, the Batmobile? Or when are we going to get to this or that? And this is cool because we're getting different versions of characters we kind of know in a universe that's not very familiar to us. Or actually, parts of the universe are very familiar. The way it's being presented is different and new. So you kind of want to learn more about it and give uh, the story time to kind of breathe and expand. So that's why I think it's uh, a lot of build-up and a lot of um, a lot of story, and it's cool, man. I, Dude, I'm really excited to see where uh, Sean Murphy takes his stuff. But um, the last couple, what is it, last three issues, basically where we're at, uh, if you haven't been reading this, get on this shit. Um, only three issues out. So the first three issues are basically... Uh, the Joker has cured himself. He's now Jack Napier, who was his original persona before he became the Joker. Um, <clears throat> he's now um, motivated to take Batman down uh, from the inside as a political figure and to kind of expose Batman for being um, kind of like a fascist and being funded by Gotham uh, and showing the corruption within Gotham that allows Batman to exist. So Joker is becoming this kind of like revolutionary radical figure uh, who's trying to swing the uh, populist vote um, in Gotham to win favor with the people because that way he can turn them against Batman. And uh, basically players in the story include the OG original Harley Quinn, who uh, we know is kind of like the black and uh, red checkered uh, Harley, um, the... Um, the way Harley was, I guess, intended by Paul Dini and Bruce Timm when she first came out. And there's also a, uh imposter Harley, who is kind of like the Suicide Squad, Amanda Connor version of her, um, who we learn, who we get the origin story in this issue. And we kind of see a little bit more about her, and she's now Neo-Joker. So there's no Joker anymore in this universe, and so she kind of takes up that mantle. And we learn more about her in this issue. Um, Nightwing and uh, Nightwing, and, Nightwing and Batgirl are the main two sidekicks to Batman in this, and um, they are uh, kind of getting sick and tired of Batman being such an asshole because um, another twist is that Alfred is suffering from. Is it the same shit from like what it always McGregor syndrome? Uh, yeah, I believe that was what it was. They but, do call uh, it that. Yeah, so it's Alfred is become sick with the same uh, illness that um, Victor Freeze's wife, Nora Freeze, was sick with, uh, McGregor Syndrome. So Batman has him on, in sick bay at Wayne Manor, and he's trying to bring him back to life. And last, was it last issue? With a big spoiler? Oh, one even before, maybe? Maybe issue two. In the last, we, somewhere in the last two issues, big fucking spoiler. Turn it off if you don't want to know this big thing, but... Uh, Alfred passes away. Alfred dies of his illnesses because Bruce comes, Batman comes back after a night of kicking ass, and he's all fucked up because a building ex building falls on him. So he gets himself back into the Batmobile and he collapses in front of Alfred. And then Alfred wakes up, takes himself off his monitors, takes himself out of his bed, patches Bruce back up, and then he falls asleep and basically dies. Um, so 
Alfred's gone and they had a whole funeral for him and everything and Bruce is completely unhinged because one thing they mentioned um a background and uh, Nightwing mentioned is Alfred was like his moral compass Alfred was the one guy that kept Bruce in line and now with Alfred gone all bets are off Batman's off his fucking rocker and he's going after people you know with without just cause and um the mayor and Gordon are pissed off at Batman um, because he's causing all this damage and all this shit, and uh, they're also pissed off because Jack Napier is becoming this popular political figure, and they're afraid of what could happen, because to everybody else, he's still the Joker. So no one wants to see what happens, and the mayor, in the beginning of this issue, makes it very clear to Gordon, I don't care how you do it, you need to fucking lock him up, you need to arrest him, find some bogus charges to put him in jail for, but get it done. And uh, that's kind of the tone... Um, going into this issue, and in the cover, the cover of this issue is uh, awesome because it kind of shows like um, a bloodied Batman silhouette over the scene of Jack Napier having kind of a rally, and there's posters erected of him, and Duke Thomas has made him the champion of basically the ghetto of Gotham and trying to get Backboard. yeah, trying to get those people on his side, um, and that's where this issue picks up. And one thing that uh, is pretty apparent that I think Sean Murphy's trying to get across is, uh, especially the colors that that he's using with the red and the black, and the star in Jack Napier's name, and the stripes in Jack Napier's name, he's making Jack Napier out to be like this, again, revolutionary, almost like this socialist or communist kind of type character, um, kind of like a Che Guevara or like a yeah, I was going to say that, that that big poster looks like it could be a Che Guevara poster. Yeah, so he's basically... Uh, I, I like how Murphy's been playing with... Um, he's playing with politics the same way... It, what, is, what he's doing is he's kind of getting a feel for the current political um, uh, atmosphere and environment, and he's kind of using that as a way to influence his story. And right now, politically, like we're in a crazy period... Um, in that, especially in America, you know, you got Trump running things, and so there's the country is 100% split in half between people who are absolutely fucking opposed to everything he he stands for, and then you got people who are 100% backing what he stands for, and it's just an insane time right now. And one of the images that I love is like on the third or fourth page where it shows that huge poster of Jack Napier. He's holding like this big red banner, and it looks yeah. like this huge red cape the way it kind of flows in the wind. Yeah, because um, he had just pulled that big sheet off that was obscuring uh, the poster, revealing that he's running for council. Yeah, and it's, I think, like a total nod to, you know, um, he's almost giving him a cape. Like, he's a hero now of his own. And, uh, you know, he's this kind of, like, socialist, communist kind of character who um, is bringing awareness to the corruption of, you know, the powers that be and how... Um, it's supposed to be like a democracy, but in reality, it's just the rich and the powerful who are running Gotham. So he wants to basically overthrow that power and kind of give it back to the people. It feels that way in the way the speech that he's having and, and the way he's talking. Um, and then, that's, that, that made it sound a lot like Bane's speech from uh, Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. And we give it back to you, the people. Yeah. Um, but it's just, yeah, it kind of sets up the theme of uh, the feel of the issue. Um, again, I love Duke Thomas in the story. He's just this big, beefy, jacked-up ex-military dude. 
kind of like and, and an X uh, and an X GCPD. That's officer. right. Yeah, and he he uh, uh, he left because the uh, because the police uh, the police force in Gotham was so crooked. Yeah, he he snitched on people. I think it, it alludes to it. Bullock comes in. Yeah, Bullock Gordon show up eventually, and they're trying to shut the rally down. They're going to have a march, and Bullock alludes to the fact that he's trying to arrest Tom for for nothing. He's just trying to arrest him, but he's giving him a hard time. Because uh, he's calling him a traitor, and um, yeah. as their kind of tensions are rising and they're talking shit to each other, Jack Napier's trying to you know trying to talk with them and allow them to march, and then Bats just kind of swoops in out of nowhere and he beats the fuck out of Jack Napier and Duke Thomas, and he's basically saying that he's going to take him into custody, which could have caused like a riot because you know there's a fucking army of people behind Duke and uh, Napier. And then Jack Napier essentially says, no, 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 I'll go in willingly. Like, that's fine. I want to talk to them anyway. And he allows himself to get taken in. And um, that's kind of like when we learn of what his plot and scheme is as far as how uh, the GCPD play into it and how Batman plays into it. And once he's taken into custody, um, he starts explaining what his plan is to Gordon and the fact that uh, in the last couple of issues, they also mentioned that there was a disaster relief fund, right? Um, I think it's supposed to be like a natural disaster fund that they take from the taxes, the taxpayers' money to create this fund for, uh, you know, whatever they need uh, as far as a relief for a disaster. They use that money um, to kind of cover it. But what Napier uncovers in doing all this research is that the uh, GCPD in the city has been using the funds illegally uh, to cover and pay for all the damage that Batman and the Bat family have uh, inflicted on Gotham. Um, so he basically uncovers the fact that Batman is like the biggest terrorist in Gotham City and the taxpayers are paying for it. Um, and it's uh, it, it further sheds light on the crooked nature of the uh, the Gotham uh, government because that fund had been funneled through the mayor's old law firm that he worked for. Exactly. Yeah, so they were skimming some money out of that as well. And um, Jack Napier essentially gives him an, an, an offer. He's like, I either go public with this shit and I uncover all this and you guys are all fucked, or you give in to my plan, which is essentially... We use that money, instead of giving it all to Batman, we turn it around and we use it to create uh, like a super uh, police force. And we join forces with the vigilantes and we take their tech and we convince Batman and Nightwing and Batwoman to, or Batgirl to work with us. Rather than having one Batmobile, um, we, give, we get fucking 20 Batmobiles and we, and we use that tech to... You know, to to suit up our 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 cars, and uh, we use the gear that Batman uses as far as armor on our people, and uh, you know, we make a super police force to basically eradicate crime. Um, and it, it you know, it's basically impresses Gordon and it impresses Bullock, the mayor. It, all of them are like, "Holy shit, this is actually a really good idea." You know, as, as much as much as they hate being impressed by it. Yeah. And um, it's just something that I think takes them all by surprise. And, and you know, they don't trust him because he stole the Joker. But at the same time, you know, he got himself – he represented himself in a court of law and he got himself off. So legally, he has been cleared of the wrongdoing that he had. And uh, he's a free man. And so 
Um, he's kind of this guy that now is rising to power and it's scaring the shit out of everybody because number one, it's like, it's, it's a new person in town that could take the power away from the people who had it. But number two, it's the fucking Joker or the guy who used to be the Joker. So, you know, they're all reserved about it. So, um, he has that basically, you know, has that showdown with Gordon and the mayor or whatever. And then, uh, you know, he kind of has an interaction with the OG Harley and, um, Basically, she says, like, she wants him to take her out, right? And yeah. uh, so there's a there's a whole kind of splash page of Joker and Harley going out as um, Jack Napier and Harleen. And this art is fucking so good, man. This is kind of like where Sean Murphy shines in that one page where they're dancing, um, they're going to get drinks, they're playing pool, you know, and then basically the next page is, you know, a love scene. And um, uh, Harley proposes right yeah yeah and yeah, uh, flips it around uh, asks if because the question had come up in the early issues maybe issue one even and uh she asked if so she asks if the offer still stands and yeah if she pops the question in yeah and uh, so that's another kind of plot point and right as that little moment is happening the next page caught it again another amazing fucking page of art uh it shows neo joker and what happened in the last issue is um, throughout all this, Jack Napier still has a sinister plan where he's controlling the rogues through um, Jarvis Tetch and Clayface to mind control them uh, to kind of set up Batman, right? He's, that's what he's kind of yeah. doing. Is he's using yeah, the rogues. Yeah, as, as much as Joker is, well, as much as Jack Napier is, trying to gain power and, you know, become a, a, a government figure in the city. He's, at the same time, he's trying to do as much as he can paint the government and the police force and Batman in a negative light by everything that he's doing while it's furthering himself, making himself look good, like setting up uh, that march, knowing that the police have to be there and Batman's probably going to show up. Uh, while that drums up support for himself, it further makes everyone that he's against look like shit. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but one thing, one problem though, is that in the last issue, Neo Joker uh, breaks in and steals the tech from him, and then gains control of the Rogues. So in this uh, in this page, she's got the Rogues, and they're fucking going ham on Gotham. Such an awesome picture too. It's got she's riding on. She's basically, she's like surfing a, a cop car. Um, poison ivy's behind her. Was that scarecrow's behind her? Um, Two Face. Um, oh, man, Penguin. Uh, uh, Roxy Rocket. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I didn't see her there. Yeah, yeah everybody's. There. And there's that that bottom panel that uh, goes across the bottom of the page. Uh, with her her hair is kind of over one side of her face, and that 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 picture looks a lot like the crow. Yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah. I definitely got that feeling of it with the with the makeup. And, um, like, what's going on? Is that the Joker? No, I'm just a stand-in. Call me Neo-Joker. And uh, they're breaking into the GCPD, um, just ripping out files and shit and going nuts and trying to steal some files from the GCPD, some secret files. Batman shows up, and as he starts beating the fuck out of Killer Croc and Bane, uh, Bane heads up to the roof, rips off the... the um, bat signal and fucking chucks it down to the ground and uh basically just causing a bunch of destruction and that's 
that's where they get away and Batman has kind of a one-on-one with Gordon and Gordon lets out all his frustrations on everything that's been going on um on Batman basically saying like you're fucking up, you know. You're you're off your fucking rocker. They're after you, they're after me. Um you know, Napier has just proposed this plan and we're going to have to get you to fucking do it. You know, he's just now kind that, of that 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 Going back to the part where Bane threw the uh, bat signal at Gordon, so it knocks him off the building, Batman swoops down and catches him, but while they're standing there and they're having this discussion where, you know, Gordon is revealing to Batman, you know, how things are changing right now, uh, that the face of the bat signal being smashed on the ground in between them is a great metaphor for what is what's happening to their relationship right now Yeah. as a result of everything that Napier has set up. Yeah. What the Batman that was or what Batman stood for is fucking breaking, you know, it's uh, it's not working anymore. And Batman has become very self-serving and it's ending up uh, influencing everybody around him in a negative way. And, and Gordon is letting him know this new plan is coming and you're going to have to fucking play ball because that's the only way that you're going to be able to survive. And then, um, Basically, Gordon turns his back on him, and then we cut back to Napier with uh, Harley back at their apartment after their uh, big date, and they've realized that they've lost control of the rogues. They don't know where they are. They don't know what's going on, so uh, Napier puts his headband on, which was controlling him to begin with, and he can't get a fucking read on him, and that's when Neo Joker busts in and starts making her demands, um, essentially saying, like, you're not the fucking Joker. Like, where's Joker, you know? That's who I want to see, and that's that's who belongs with me, and that's who loved me. And uh, Joker's like saying, like, you know, I was sick, and you know, I didn't know what I was saying. I didn't know who you were. I thought you were really her, but you're not. I'm sorry. You know what you thought we had is not there. I'm not the Joker. That's not me anymore. And um, she's going back and forth with him, and she essentially says, like, um, I know he's in there, and it's all I have to do is just call him out. And the only way that he's going to call come out is if, you know, I make him. So she kind of leaves him and, and heads out, basically promising that I'll fucking get Joker to come show up because he's going to, the only way to stop me is to confront me. And he knows that he won't let anybody else be Joker but him. So he's going to come after me. So Heart, uh, Neo Joker leaves. And uh, with that, it kind of takes us over to um, Nightwing and Barbara being uh, tricked into coming and visiting with Napier and uh, Gordon, right? Yeah, Gordon uh, lit, uh, I, I guess, uh, a new bat signal, <laughs> and uh, it gets them out there, and knowing what had gone down uh, between them previously, Batman doesn't show up. Yeah, so then uh, Gordon and Napier um, give him the same plan that Napier proposed to Gordon earlier, basically saying, like, you know, we're not asking for you guys to reveal your identities, but we're asking for you to work with us. We're asking for you guys to cooperate and to give us a reason to trust each other and, and to create the super police force that will be more beneficial, I guess, for Gotham. And as they're walking down, they're kind of already seeing that they're souping up all these cars, right? They're kind of already in the process of getting all these cars, like, souped up to become, like, super cop cars. What's fucking great about this is Sean Murphy's such a, co- a car guy. Yeah. And you know all these cars are real cars. All these cars are, like, yeah. legit models. Makes yeah, it, I don't and- mean... 
Yeah, and this is uh, this is another great chance for for Sean to draw some some cars, uh, just a, a whole lot of cars yeah. in another part of the issue. It's just a random, it's just a random police garage filled with. They're not even cop cars; they're just a bunch of fucking like like little muscle cars that uh, they maybe probably impounded or whatever. But uh, Murphy is just having fun with you know drawing what he wants to draw, and I'm sure I'm not a car guy myself, but I can guarantee that these are all actual makes and models of expensive oh, yeah. or fast cars so um didn't didn't uh snyder say he's a porsche guy uh what uh sean yeah mm, maybe i don't remember but uh one, one thing that i remember uh i i always think about this when i see sean drawing cars is he he's enough of a car guy that he knows little facts about cars and one of the things that i remember seeing him tweet a while back was uh, that cars are designed to be appealing to the eye from like eye level and below. So he always, as much as possible, he draws he draws cars in comics from like the six foot up level to down to ground level. So like he he even knows the angles that cars look best at. So on top of the, the detail that he puts into everything, he, he knows exactly how to show them. And that's why uh, I think everything looks so cool in, uh, in his shots. Yeah, for sure. It's just, it, you could tell these are like, I'm just going to draw four fucking pages of cars right now. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to do that. And so um, basically, yeah, so Joker, or rather Jack Napier, Gordon, are trying to get Nightwing and Batgirl to listen to their cause and to join up, basically to get them to convince Batman to join them. And they're smart in the fact that they're going to try to go through Nightwing and Batgirl first to get favor with Batman. Uh, next page then turns to Neo Joker returning to wherever the fuck their lair is. And this is where we get her origins, where yeah. um, Joker's uh, robbing a bank, right? Yeah, and she has a messed up origin too. Cause she met Joker while she was... Uh... A really, uh, well, she explains that she had always been a cutter, yeah. and it got worse when her boyfriend left her. So we see her at work at the bank, and she's just cut her wrist open and is seriously bleeding. Yeah, and said that her intention was to uh, <laughs> to cut her wrist and see how many customers it took before she would bleed out. Yeah, yeah. At first, I thought she's like wearing a glove, but it's just it's just her hand covered in blood. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's at she, that she, time. Uh, she wasn't that happy girl. No, it's at that time then that right as she's doing that, Joker robs the bank and um, puts a gun in her face to get her to start helping him. And she just says at one point he just starts calling her Harley. You know, who knows if you what the fuck was going on in his head? He's crazy, but he just starts calling calling her Harley. So she just starts. Yeah, because at, at at this point for Joker, uh, we know from. The, the previous uh, backstory between, of what happened between him and Harley in this universe is that there was a point where Harley had left him because while she was in love with him, he was clearly just in love with Batman. It's true, yeah. He was obsessed, yeah, obsessed with Batman. and um, So he's obviously he's distraught from that, and so for whatever reason, he sees this girl, this woman that... Uh, kind of looks like Harley and he just starts calling her Harley during this bank robbery and um she goes with him and then you could tell at one point she even like takes his costume and uniform from her from him 
and he bandages her up, and he's, like, taking care of her, and he's showing her love and affection, and she just goes with it. She's just like, fuck it, I'll just do it, right? Uh, I just love the look he gave Joker when it's that flashback scene to the bank robbery, how much he looks like, like, the animated series-style Joker. You know, he has the suit on, he has the big, wide-brim hat. Yeah, yeah, totally. Really cool shot. Yeah, badass. And um, that's basically how she became the imposter Harley. She just kind of, like, was there one day, right place, right time. He started calling her Harley, so she went with it. And he basically gave her a purpose. So she has a purpose now, and she felt wanted, and she felt loved. And that's what kind of had her fall in love with him. And then it cuts back to real time. She's talking to Jarvis Tett, right? And he's um, asking her questions, and that's where we're learning her origin from her interaction with him. Then she kind of snaps out of it and asks him, what are you looking for anyway? What kind of secret files? And he says, well, anything to give you leverage in this situation, anything, to, any bit of juicy information that will help our, help your cause. And uh, it pans over to him looking at the computer, and we see something fucking crazy, which is uh, Victor, like a file on Victor Freeze and pictures on Victor Freeze. And he was a Nazi. Yeah, that had, that had uh, yeah, they, he says uh, there's a lot of extra security around the files about Victor Freeze. Yeah. And then that's what uh, that's what they find. So he's wearing he's wearing a Gestapo uniform. He's got the hat. He's got the swastika and all that. And um, no, there's no swastika. It's just the oh no, there is. There is. It's the iron. Yep. yep. The iron eagle with the swastika. Yep. Yeah. You see uh, his uh, his ID and yeah. So it so it shows this uh, crazy secret history of uh, Victor Freeze in this universe at one point being a Nazi. And then it shows a picture of Victor Freeze shaking hands with Thomas Wayne. And it clearly points out Thomas and Martha Wayne shaking hands with an un-uniformed un, um, uh, Victor Freeze. So I don't know. If, it doesn't explain if he... Well, that's, that's, uh, that's Victor's father, that's right. I take it, that's shaking hands with him. And then Victor is, the little, is a little boy beside his oh, father. Oh, you're right. Yeah. It's Baron Von Freeze as the Nazi... Yeah. And then it's it's Baron Von Freeze, and it looks like his mother and Victor right behind, standing. And then they're shaking hands with uh, the Waynes, making it seem like at one point the Waynes were employing uh, Baron Von Freeze or were in some way, shape, or form involved with him with something. So uh, the issue ends implying that the Waynes had some ties to uh, Nazi Germany, which is fucking crazy. Um but yeah, so nutty way to end the issue, and it, it's a head scratcher, and kind of like what the fuck, right? Yeah, um, and uh, just that's just one more thing on top of the massive list of things that happened in this issue. Yeah, uh, from uh, Jack's uh, clear success towards becoming uh, a member of city council to uh, him uh, basically all. It looks like successfully enlisting uh, Batgirl and Nightwing into uh, his his cause that he has coerced uh, the GCPD to go in with on him. Uh, what else was there? Oh, the uh, the backstory of uh, Marion Drews, mm-hmm. aka Harley Two, aka Neo Joker. I hope we get some toys and, over. Yeah, that'll be cool. And uh, what else was going on there? Oh, yeah. Her obviously, we now see for sure that she has completely stolen control of 
uh, Joker's army of uh, of Gotham rogues. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of shit, know. and we're only four issues into the story, and it it basically just builds and builds and builds. Um, this is eight issues, so we're uh, we're at the halfway point now. It's so good, dude. Like I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait to just, every every issue that comes out. It's the first thing I read. So, um, big huge week with this and Batman. Um, I can't wait to see where else this goes. Oh, man, the art is so good, so amazing. Uh, Sean Murphy's gonna fucking definitely gonna win something off of this. This is so good, and uh, you know they're, they're kind of letting him do whatever he wants with this universe. So we'll see where he goes from this. Um, after after he does this story, what he's gonna choose to do as far as on his own uh, as a writer and an artist and. You know, just kind of do the whole thing himself, like you've been saying, right? Yeah, we know that he has planned a Batman story that he's doing with Scott Snyder writing, but he has said that after that he wants to retire from working with writers and just continue doing uh, doing things on his own. Scott Snyder. Is it is it jumping the gun that I'm already thinking about what he's going to do for the sequel to this? No, what are you thinking? I don't know. I'm just I'm just already thinking about you know what's what's he what's he gonna do after this story? Hmm. It's, this is already going so like every issue, uh, issue one is I think gone to fourth printing now. Issue two has gone to I think third print. So, uh, the the book is moving, yeah. so it it's obviously going to keep doing that, and I'm sure they're already talking to him about what uh, what he wants to do to keep selling books once mm. this is over. You sure? You do such a great job with Batman White Knight. <laughs> I mean, you can really do whatever you want. So, What's next, Sean? What do you want to do next? Uh, <laughs> Dan DiDio just trying to get him in his... You sure? Come into my office. You, know, we, we, you did such a good job. Eight issues. I mean, what's he going to do? To, what are we going to do to get you in a 12-issue book? Huh? <laughs> I can totally see I love when I love when Dan shows up on the show. <laughs> Yeah, it, I'm excited. I mean, I almost like I almost hope he's not like blowing his load too early because this is so good. Like, what could be better than this? You know? Yeah. So, all right, so, we'll see. But um, then now, what uh, what's on the what's on the dance card now? What do we want to do next? Uh, let's see what else uh, we want to get in here. I have read. Oh, uh, let's hit Nightwing. Have you read Nightwing? No, but I want to hear about it. Okay. I skimmed Nightwing, actually. I, I, I definitely skimmed it. I, I mean, okay. it was a hard skim. I put my thumb on it as I skimmed, so... It was a hard thumbing that I gave it. You pressed, pressed it down hard. The art looks fucking okay, awesome. Okay, so... Yeah, that's one thing about this. So, uh, this is Bernard Chang on the art. Uh, so, it, every page looks really, really good. Mm. And uh, Sam Humphreys is the writer. He's been doing Nightwing for a little bit. He's a good writer. I love Sam Humphreys. Yeah. Yeah, I like him a lot. Uh, he seems like a nice guy too. Uh, yeah. From uh, limited interactions online. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, chapter two of uh, the Untouchable. So in the last issue, we were introduced to this guy who is being called the Judge. Who it it seems that his uh, he has this ability, this talent for talking people into doing things by promising them their greatest desire. 
So we were introduced to him while he's sitting at a poker table in uh, a Bloodhaven casino, which is a, a, a big thing in Bloodhaven, you know, where all of the city's revenue comes from is the casinos that, uh, that the city is full of now. Oh, is this the issue where he's looking for a code breaker and they're going and like freeing animals, but like not freeing slave kids? That that's that's another Benicio del Toro project. Okay, 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 cool. That uh, shall remain nameless. Got it. I, I heard it has uh, a fifty percent fan rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, fifty percent of me uh, loved it. Fifty percent of me hated Rose. Fifty well, percent <laughs> of me hated a hundred percent of Rose. I guess is what I'm is the stat I'm trying to go for. Fifty percent of the time, you hate Rose every time. <laughs> yeah. So Bloodhaven is a just a den so, of filth and gambling. Yeah, so we had been introduced to this guy sitting at a poker table in the casino, and he was speaking to this woman who was uh, just on vacation and blowing some money at the casino, and he convinces her that what she wants to do is to make all of her friends afraid of her. And, uh, you know, he, he does some whispering to her, and the next thing we know, he's handing her a knife, and she's using it to murder the dealer at the table. Jesus. So that's kind of his thing. He uh, he just goes around uh, talking people into doing whatever he wants them to do on a whim. Kind of like Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, sort of like that. So we see that he has basically... Nightwing has his own version of Commissioner Gordon. You know, he has someone in the Bloodhaven PD that works with him, you know, he has his rooftop meetings with and uh, yeah. exchanges information with to, to help solve cases. A sassy brunette from the likes of it. There you go. So this guy, uh, at the end of last issue, had turned her somehow against Nightwing, you know, uh. promised her something. So they're up on a rooftop, and uh, as, uh, as Nightwing had given her uh, some suggestions on what he thought she should... Uh, follow uh, what trail he thought she should follow he was going to go off and, and follow this other trail and uh, just as he's about to leap off the roof she calls to him and he turns around to look and she's aiming a gun at him and just fires and that was the end of the issue so this one we pick up with him falling off the roof with a bullet in him and uh, you know with his uh, with his training he's able to obviously able to save himself and continues going along uh, following this trail of of uh, these murders that have been happening. And uh, he tracks the guy down to a, uh, a church, like a monastery-looking type church. And he smashes in through one of the windows, because that's how you enter a church, usually. <laughs> and it's just littered with the corpses of all of these priests or monks. Yeah. And one guy is left alive. Uh, he's like nailed up to a wall or something. Jesus. Uh, you know, still, he's bleeding out. And he gives Nightwing some information. You know, yeah, the, this guy was here. And uh, they had a name for him. What did he say? They, uh, his name among them was Learned Hand. And uh, we find out that he is uh, someone known as the Judge. And we find out bit by bit that this is someone that, over the years, dating back to his time as Robin, that Dick has... Uh, found his calling cards, which is a, a casino chip. So he's been trying and chasing and failing to catch this guy uh, multiple times over the years. 
so these people keep getting killed, and he fails to catch him, and the guy disappears. So now he's shown up uh, in Bloodhaven, and, and it's happening again. He keeps seeing these people uh, people dying, and the guy vanishes, and, and he can't find them. So we get to the point of the guy talks his way into the mayor's office. So once he gets in there, we find out, you know, he explains to the mayor. The mayor wants to know how we got in his office. Who are you? Get out of here. And he explains to him how he uh, got the information on his from his driver where he was going to be. And his driver, you know, brought him there. And then he talked his way past the security guard and then talked his way through the, the secretary or whatever to, to let him into the office. And then he uh, he talks the mayor into confessing all of this dirty stuff that that the, that he and the the owners of the casinos have been up to. And uh, now with all of this stuff uh, revealed, like, we find out that the, the mayor had been roped into doing some things, you know, ro- roped into doing shady things, and it just got mm-hmm. worse and worse. And now, so he's. He's just buried by all of the stuff that he's done. You know, he's he's done wrong things, so now he has to keep doing wrong things, and letting all of this out leads to eventually uh, the mayor offs himself at his desk because he's now confessed all of these things that that he's been hiding and using this this thing to to hide what he had done before. Hmm. So again, Nightwing arrives too late. You know, he tracks where this guy was going, figures out what what his plan was tracks him to the mayor's office just in time to find the mayor's dead body there and another casino chip calling card left at his desk. Mm-hmm. Oh, bitch. and uh, it, it is worth noting that uh, Nightwing uh, Dick Grayson is daytiming as a, uh, a CrossFit trainer. He has opened up his own, uh, his own gym to be like his front for what he does. It's amazing. So he has this gym that, you know, in, in the front, the the public side of the gym, it's, you know, it's just a CrossFit gym where he trains a few people privately. And then in the back, he has all of his Nightwing stuff. It's fucking awesome. Dude, what else, what, what other perfect job than being a CrossFit coach for Nightwing? Such right? a nice. And, if, and if, if you're this guy who's a, a vigilante, but, you know, you need a front to hide that, what uh-huh. easier way to blend in for being, you know, the athletic guy that he is than to, oh, that, that's why he looks like that. It's because yeah. he owns a gym. Yeah, he just works out 24-7. That's why yeah, he's fucking yeah, huge. He's a personal trainer. Yeah, oh, there's, that's why he's got all the, that training gear in his, you know, in his, his, uh, yeah. in his warehouse. It's just, he's, he's, yeah, he's just doing crazy techniques. But, you know, yeah, I was, he, I was he, almost thinking that he, yeah, I was almost thinking that he would be like a parkour teacher. Like he'd have like a parkour gym, but this makes more sense. So it's a uh, very. <laughs> I want to talk to Sam Humphries about this. Like, dude, <laughs> where did you come up with the idea to make him a CrossFit trainer? That's fucking genius. So, but uh, yeah, CrossFit uh, Bloodhaven now open and uh, taking clients. So get a, get yourselves over there and uh, trained. But uh, I, I think I, I believe it's called Dick Fit. <laughs> So uh, the the next issue of uh, the next issue of Nightwing will continue on this. If you haven't been reading Nightwing lately, uh, check it out. This, this is only two issues deep in the story so far. So uh, 
check out uh, Nightwing 35 and 36 to catch up on the story. And uh, yeah, I, I like what they're doing with this character, how he's been, the judge has been sort of inserted into uh, the Batman mythos via being uh, someone that Dick Grayson has been chasing for years and, uh, you know, the, the guy that always gets away from him. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, it's I like Sam Humphries a lot. Bernard Chang is not a is not a no name, definitely known, and so this is a, a great little uh, section of DC Comics that I think is not really necessarily being influenced by. I mean, you can jump into it without having to worry that it's connected to everything else, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, which I, I hadn't read a, a few issues prior to this, so I kind of uh, dove back in and uh, did so at the perfect time to get on with this story. Very nice. Very nice. All right, Nightwing. What's uh, what's next? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Superman. Where's Superman? Number thirty-eight. Here, so there's. So yeah, that's uh, part four of Super Sons of Tomorrow. Let's hit this one up now. Superman thirty-eight. Next on the old agenda, and this is part four of Super Sons of Tomorrow. Um, this has been tying into. Is it only Super Sons, or is it also been action? Uh, oh, uh, this was just uh, Superman, Super Sons, and Teen Titans. Teen Titans, okay. So, yeah, so the the thing I like about this, most of the time when a story is a crossover through different issues, like we would have one writer doing the Superman issues, another writer doing the Teen Titans issues, and someone else maybe doing the Super Sons issues. But this is all uh, Peter Tomasi and Pat Gleason uh, doing the writing on all the issues of Super Sons of Tomorrow. Cool. So it's uh, it feels more cohesive yeah. uh, that way. So basically, the short version of the story, if you've been reading Detective Comics, uh, the future version of Tim Drake had traveled back in time from 15 years ahead uh, with the mission of killing Batwoman for something awful she had done in the future. And uh, he had spent this this you know 15 years in the future training to beat the crap out of the entire bat family in their prime so he showed up in the bat cave and did that and you know was on his way to uh to taking out batwoman and almost succeeded in that before they were able to uh, eventually stop him and he uh in the end gets sent back to his time uh so now in super sons of tomorrow he has done that again He's traveled back in time. Uh, I've been calling him uh, Time Cop Tim Drake. Hmm. Uh, so he's come back this time with the intention of we don't see what his intention is at first because the f- his first two stops are Wayne Manor. To uh, He wants to take out anyone that will stop him from doing what he's there for. So the first place he goes is to Wayne Manor to take out Bruce, and then he goes to the Fortress of Solitude to take out Clark. So uh, by the time he leaves Wayne Manor, we don't know if Bruce is alive or dead. And uh, by the time he leaves the Fortress of Solitude, uh, Superman is encased in red kryptonite. Mm. And then that's when it's revealed what his plan was when he shows up at uh, Titan's Tower. Uh, we find out that his plan is to kill Jonathan Kent, uh, Superman and Lois's son. Uh, because there's uh, a time in the future where he develops Superman's solar flare uh, ability, which uh, was something that Superman uh, gained in the New 52. Uh, So Jonathan uh, 
ends up in the future manifesting that same power, but because he's half human, he lacks Clark's ability to control it, and it ends up destroying a lot of people. Yeah. So he decides that he has to come back and he has to stop that from happening. The easiest time to to take him out is when he's a kid. Yeah. So like uh like a uh like a Terminator two uh Yeah, yeah. Or uh, take at you know, he's just gonna come and kill young John Connor. Oh, almost a similar name too. Yeah. Or not not as good John. uh like a minority report. Where you're trying to there go back go. in time and stop a crime from happening before it happens. Look at look at that connection there John Connor Jonathan Kent, Connor Kent. It's some weird stuff going on there. Yeah, I think that's no no coincidence in my opinion. So something's going on. I don't like it, but we'll we'll go on. We'll move on. So uh, after uh, Tim shows up at uh, Titan's Tower, he uses his past relationship with Raven, even though this is a different timeline version of her, uh, to help to to get her to try to convince the Titans that what he's doing is right. So a couple of them sort of go along with him to be like, okay, well, we're going to help you track him down, but you, you, we're not letting you kill him. Whereas the others are just, no, fuck that. You know, we're, we don't trust this guy. You know, if he, if he finds John, he's just going to kill him. So what had gone down was uh, Jonathan was at Titan Tower at the time, and I'm sure, I'm sure uh, from the time traveling that Tim knew this, uh, John had been there because he's been actively trying to join the Teen Titans. So he had shown up where they were in a battle and just joined the battle mm-hmm. and ended up back at the tower with them. And when he hears all this stuff going on, uh, Tim sort of coerces him into you know, getting emotional so he can expose how dangerous he is mm-hmm. to, to highlight his point. And he ends up uh, blowing up a good portion of Titan's Tower, having uh, one of these solar flare bursts. Son of a bitch. So we see this uh, destroy a lot of the tower. All the Titans get knocked unconscious for a period of time. And Tim's bat suit, you know, he's still in his future Tim Drake Batman suit. Uh, that gets destroyed. So he finds himself in a room that had the prototype costumes of the Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. So he hodgepodges that together and uh, creates a new costume for himself, so gives himself a new name. He introduces himself as the savior now. Yeah. So uh, Damien, after all the Titans were knocked unconscious, Damien is the first one to, to come back around, so he leaves a note for the rest of them when they wake up, just saying, you know, give me time, and he disappears off to go find, uh, to go find John. And they go, uh, they go to hide out, but... Uh, they get tracked down by the Titans. So in this issue, uh, that this is where we see them actually get tracked down. Uh, Damien and John were hiding in uh, this sort of underwater base that Damien has. Uh-huh. Uh, and, th- and that's where they get found by the Titans. And at the same time that all this is happening, the rest of the Titans from the future, sort of uh, the Justice League, you know, it's... Uh, Connor Kent as uh, Superman from the future, uh, Cassie as Wonder Woman, and Bart Allen as the Flash. So they've been uh, trying to track Tim through all this time because they don't know exactly what he's doing, but they know he's, he's up to some shit again. Mm-hmm. So they've been trying to track through time where, when and where he is to stop him from doing whatever crazy shit he's trying to do this time. Mm-hmm. 
So while the uh, you know, this whole thing is uh, going on between the Titans, they've gone to uh, the Fortress of Solitude to attempt to hide from Tim. But, you know, obviously he's going to figure that out. So uh, he shows up there. Uh, but by this time, Connor has found uh, Superman locked in this red kryptonite and is trying to get him out. And Superman's telling him to get away because, you know, the, the kryptonite, the, the red kryptonite is is going to drain your body. Mm-hmm. And uh, this uh, seeing his father like this sets Connor off again. And he has another one of these solar flares. And uh, this one is... It doesn't kill anybody, but it's strong enough to destroy the red kryptonite dome that Superman is trapped in. Mm-hmm. So he gets out just as uh, Tim Drake slash Savior is figuring out where they are. So he shows up there with Raven and Beast Boy. And uh, so Superman is not at all pleased because the last time he saw he saw Tim, Tim was you know, putting a beating on him and... Uh, locking him in kryptonite. So just as all this is going down, uh, Jonathan is in the middle of this giant solar flare happening that he can't control and it's getting bigger. But this is when the future Justice League arrive. So they all start... uh, Connor is sort of figuring out who this is, you know, that, oh, well, okay, in this timeline, uh, Clark has a son who, uh, you know, is basically takes his place. Mm-hmm. Because then, I don't think we have a Connor Kent at all in the Rebirth universe, do we? No. I, I didn't think so. So uh, he gets there and uh, figures out what uh, the, the situation is that, you know, Superman in this timeline has his own son, but sees what's happening with him. So they all kind of uh, start working together to try to stop this this growing solar flare. So we have two flashes uh, running around the the flare to try to uh, dissipate it, you know, running mm. opposite the direction that it's spinning, and everyone's working together to fight it off. And Superman basically wants to uh, to take out uh, Tim Drake the whole time for making all this happen. Damn. Uh, so while everyone is trying to uh, contain uh, this solar flare, Damien starts. Uh, attacking uh, Tim Drake and telling him how this is this is all his fault. You know, you, you came into our timeline and and now you've killed everyone. You know, the, the, uh, the we're all gonna die, and it's because you came back here and, and meddled with the timeline. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Tim's realizing that you know the, I, I did cause all of this to happen. This this solar flare. Uh, is uh, is about to kill everyone. So Tim sacrifices himself, and this this uh, like you know, if you've seen anything where anyone has time traveled, there is usually some element of time trying to uh, to fix itself, you know, to put things back where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So all through the story, we see the time see the time stream is trying to pull Tim back to where he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Damien basically convinces him that, yeah, this this is all my fault. Uh, I, I need to, to take responsibility and fix this myself. So he has, uh, while everyone is trying to corral this, uh, this solar flare, which is uh, now it's grown beyond John, and it's just uh, 
out of control now. He has everyone who is uh, trying to harness it, you know, like the, the flashes, and uh, I think specifically it's Raven that's, uh, for the most part, controlling it. He has them pass this, uh, pass the solar flare into him as the time stream is trying to yank him back. It shoots into him, you know, they, they just kind of fire the, the flare at him, and uh, it sucks him back, the time stream sucks him back and takes the flare with it. So the, this gives a cool thing at the end where we see Tim is kind of floating through the time stream. And if you look at the last page, yeah. you see all those different panels from all kinds of different comics. So we see uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths where Superman is holding the body of Supergirl. Yeah. The uh, rebirth where, where uh, Kid Flash meets up with uh, Flash. Oh, the yeah. Nightmare yeah. Batman. Yeah, there's uh, some of Red Death, and uh, I think that's Dawnbreaker there. Yeah, yeah, some uh, good shit. Green Lantern there. Uh, yeah, Ooh, uh, uh, it looks uh, like some brightest, some brightest day stuff going on. All Star Batman and Robin. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Final Crisis. Soup's holding a dead Batman. Good shit. Love those little callbacks. So this isn't the uh, the end of the story, though. We have the the conclusion is coming up in uh, Super Sons. Uh, yes, yeah, in Super Sons number twelve. So uh, I guess that's where we'll find out what happened to Bruce Wayne in the first part of the story. And I, I took a horribly long time to to explain that story, but if you haven't read it, uh, the story itself is much better than I made it sound. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> pick up the issues. It's you know, they're, they're two ninety nine an issue, and you know it's this is part four or part three. So I'm there's ho- only four parts. And it's yeah, I'm hoping people are are enjoying this along with the book that they have in hand. That's the way I I yeah. picture it. Yeah, so. hopefully, but you know, if hopefully when when you listen to this, it's not all spoilers, and you you've already read this. There are some, and people, uh, I've I've noticed that there's some people that they're like, oh man, you're, you're the only way I keep up with the comics. No. <laughs> yeah, like I know, like by by the time I wake up on Wednesday morning. The the show already has like over a hundred listens. Yeah. Where the hell did you get the comics already? You know, we're we're basically free ninety five the audio version. <laughs> but uh, it's good well, shit. Yeah, yeah Super Sons yeah, is Super really... Sons is, is fuck. I've 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 read most of uh, Super Sons. I think I've read up to like issue eight, and uh, I've loved everything about it. And um, Super Sons is great. You know, what we didn't cover last week that came out that I was really disappointed. There's only three issues of it. Is uh, Batman and the Signal? No, that's that's uh, that's this week. We oh, gotta shit. do that tonight. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah, fuck. we gotta do that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I was I was disappointed. I saw it on the fucking thing. I'm like three. That's it. Just three. It's like a little mini. Yeah, I I feel like it's all. I'm gonna say one more thing about uh, Super Sons before we move away from that. Uh, so the last issue of Super Sons and the next issue of it. Uh, have joining variant covers by Dustin Nguyen. Uh, if uh, if you follow him on Instagram, you saw him post the the full image of it. So the issue that already came out uh, last week or the week before is the the John cover, and then the next one is the Damien cover, and they join together. It's it's just so good. It works way better than uh, than joining covers usually do. Yeah. Uh, all right. You want to take us through a Batman and the Signal? Yeah, uh, did you read it? Yeah, I read it, like, what was it, yeah. fucking two weeks ago? Cool, so, uh, 
Okay, so uh, issue one of Batman and the Signal. Uh, this is a story by Scott Snyder and Tony Patrick. And uh, Cully Hamner uh, on the art, we don't see enough of him on Bat stuff, so it's uh, it's cool to see him uh, get in on this series, even though it's only going to be three issues. But uh, it, it seems that Batman the Signal is basically going to be the story of Duke Thomas, who we met... Uh, got to know really the most in we are robin and through robin war and he was in uh zero year was that where we first saw him uh i think it was yeah like the beginning of zero year so he was around through all of the stuff uh from endgame and uh everything going on with bloom and joker and all that and his parents are sort of jokerized and he doesn't know if they'll ever be fixed. They're sort of just locked up and being cared for. But it looks like this story is going to be uh, where we see him finally getting his own identity, because for a while he hasn't been anything, right? He was sort of Batman's sidekick in training, but we it was explained early on that you know he there couldn't be another Robin, so he wasn't going to be Robin. Yeah. So he was just... He was just this guy hanging out with Batman. Yeah, when whenever uh, there was a point, I forget in what storyline, but Gordon's like another Robin, and then Batman says he's not my sidekick. He's something. I'm trying something different this time. And that that's the big difference with with Duke is as a result of the uh, I think it was a result of the stuff going on in the Mister Bloom uh, story. Uh, Duke is uh, has become a metahuman. Yeah. So he's still he's still sort of learning his powers, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it shows a little bit in this issue. So uh, we see, uh, we start to see where he fits in along with uh, the rest of the Bat family. How he feels he doesn't fit in with them and doesn't have an identity. And uh, Batman trying to convince him that that's not the case, you know. And he gives him his own lair, gives him his his new armor, and is. Uh, trying to explain to him, you know, why why he's special and what he can be that's different and uh that he wants he wants Batman wants Duke to be Batman during the day, you know, to to be there when Batman can't be because there's going to be crime during the day and you know, he doesn't uh go frolicking around in his bat suit in, in the sunlight. Mm-hmm. So we have a new hero who uh doesn't uh, it doesn't really know he, he knows some of what he can do he doesn't really know per necessarily how to activate it mm-hmm. you know he, he has like sort of his go web go moment from uh from the spider-man movie yeah where he, he's just like saying power activate and yeah. stuff like that so uh i think what we'll end up getting through this story is uh duke finding what his true power is you know like i think we've only we see that he has the ability to sort of see the history of light in a room, you know, like he can see what has happened before by reading the light in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, so he can see like a video recording of what people were doing before. And uh, he can also use it to predict what people are going to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, I feel like he's just learning the tip of, uh, of what he can do. And I think I could be way off off on this, but I feel like we're going to see him be a lot more powerful by the end of this uh, than, so. than he is currently. Yeah, because th- things don't go for him uh, 
don't go very well for him on his first case. No, uh, he's, the, the first. Yeah, yeah, he's fighting some dude in the Narrows. It starts. It starts off, uh, and it looks like this kid broke out of some sort of prison because he's wearing an orange jumpsuit. But Duke's having a hard time, kind of throwing blows at this one kid who looks like, from the beginning, he looks like he's like manipulating. Like um, he's able to like manipulate matter and like put his arms through shit and like. Um, bend bend things and, and twist things up and he like rips the, the he rips the bus in half and he pulls Duke out of it and then Duke is like looking at him through his lens I guess of light and he realizes that he's like nullifying energy so he pulls in sunlight first to get his power and that's when he starts mm. to realize like how he can fight this kid and as he's doing that he kind of sees like the little weaknesses uh, that the kid has like all over his body um so he kind of figures out how to exploit that and uh, beats the shit out of that kid, um, but causes like a bunch of damage in the process. And um, as he's like uh, kind of regrouping and going back, um, who's this chick that they're, do they, have they introduced this chick before? Uh, I was wondering the same. If, if she has been introduced before, I don't remember. She may be uh, a byproduct of uh, We Are Robin but I don't remember her very well, but uh, Gordon shows up at her, at her apartment and, you know, he clearly knows her pretty well. Uh, and we learn that she has switched from working, uh, like she's a, a detective, I think, and mm-hmm. she's switched from working the night shift to working the day shift now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so um, he brings her a case to kind of look after where two kids uh, slunk out of their homes and, uh, went to a party and took some pills, similar to like what happened in uh, in uh, Super Heavy with Bloom, where like they took drugs and it ended up giving them powers or something. Yeah. And their fucking like heads exploded. And so uh, he gives her that information to kind of follow up on the leads, and um, I guess she must be a, she must be a metahuman too. I think. Well, she has a bionic arm for sure. Yeah. So she's a cyborg. Yes. Part robot. She's like a ro- she's a RoboCop. Holy shit. Oh man, here we go. Terminator she's... and the last thing we got RoboCop <laughs> in this. So, uh anyways, she's on the she's un un uh very hesitantly she gets put on the case. And um that's when it kind of shows Duke. He's studying and kind of trying to balancing his life and it shows kind of what's going on with Duke's life cuz uh like you mentioned, his parents were um sprayed with joker toxin and they're all fucked up so he's not uh an adult yet he's still a teenager so he's like under the care of his is it his uncle or his cousin uh his his older cousin uh who is uh, an ex-military guy yeah so his ex-cousin's trying to keep him in line and trying to keep him like studying and going to school but um duke obviously is trying to be a fucking daytime superhero so that's not really working out for him so he takes the information uh his friends are helping him kind of like um find like break down the guy's cells that he was uh, after and uh he decides to take the information and go talk to lucius fox and in doing so um he kind of gets visited by batman and uh this is the nicest i've ever seen fucking batman act batman just gives him like (laughs) his own cave basically um and he's got like a training center, and he's got a computer, he's got his own little um, Batpod-looking vehicle, um, 
basically just fucking gives him the keys to this awesome little castle and allows him to... And Duke still doesn't know if he wants to be the signal, right? Yeah. He's still apprehensive about the whole thing, but uh, I think this kind of pushes him in the right direction as far as like him actually taking up this mantle and being like the daytime hero. And that's basically what Batman tells him. He's like, I need someone during the day. I need someone around when no one else... You know, we operate at night. You'll be the day guy. Um, that way, like, we're kind of covered on all fronts. And uh, so, ba- basically, Luke is the day man. Yeah, day man. Exactly. Fighter of the night man. Fighter of the night man. Champion of the sun. Yeah. Um, I wonder if he is a master of karate and friendship. We don't know that yet. Maybe we'll find out by issue three. Hopefully he does become at some point. Um, but it shows the chick with the bionic arm and him uh, kind of, like, going to the same place, right? They're trying to yeah. find out where the kid broke out of. And um, they're almost like on the same trail, so you sh- it shows that Duke like narrowly avoids this detective. And as he's doing so, he breaks into the same little area that uh, the kid earlier broke out of. And then he gets his fucking lights punched out as he gets basically exactly where he wants to go. And then he realizes that uh, he stumbled across the dude that he was fighting, as well as uh, two other metahuman teenagers... Um, but the problem is, is now he's in like their domain. So, um, now instead of having to deal with one, he has to deal with three. And there's like, a there's a, there's a girl who looks like there's shit coming out of her fingers, like floating upward. There's the dude that he fought earlier. And there's the chick that has like, it looks like implants or something in her skin. Um, yeah. Like she looks, uh, almost like she has a aspect like this. Cyborg aspects yeah. uh, on her body too. Yeah. yeah, it almost like she's kind of been like experimented on a little bit, um, but it basically uh, insinuates the fact that Duke's gonna have to try to fucking fight with these three people who are calling themselves like family. Um, so he's already pissed one off, and then the other two are gonna have to be dealt with. But um, cool first issue. I uh, the biggest thing is my disappointment that it's only gonna be three fucking issues. Um, yeah, because it, it sets up pretty interesting here. Like. Aside from, you know, the, those last uh, uh, dialogue boxes uh, at the end saying 11.15 a.m., the yeah. signal lasted six hours, <laughs> then went dark. It, yeah. it ends with saying, next, Batman versus the signal. Yeah, yeah. So it sets up a couple things. The biggest thing, I think, is the fact that Batman gives him a fucking lair, right? So he's yeah. got his own little cave. He's got his computer he's got his vehicle and he's like getting set up as a hero and uh the first issue ends we got two more and it seems like he's going to be a character that sticks around but if they're only going to have the three issue mini maybe what it's going to do in order to kind of get people on board with the character they have to slap batman on the book so maybe it's like batman and the signal for these three issues they see how it sells they see who gets interested in it and maybe they give him his own ongoing like the signal, that'll be the shit. And yeah, and even if it doesn't, you know, if if they see that, well, it it didn't make us believe that uh, he could carry his own title. At least it will take his character where they wanted him to go. And even if it's just to keep including him in future Bat Family titles, yeah, they can always put him in. Um, I mean, like what what's um, they put him in detective. They've already kind of put him in detective here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he can be a part of that team, except that he they're will, operating at night, though. Yeah. But, uh, um, he he appeared in Batman. He was yeah. in uh, Rules of Engagement. Yeah, yeah. He did with family. 
He's been in um he's been in uh, metal a couple issues I think at least maybe one or two. So he's there and I I I started out not giving a shit about Duke. Like I did not care about him one way or the other. I didn't dislike him, I didn't like him. He was just kind of there. Um you know, Snyder peppered him into Endgame and um he served part of the story in that sense. But now that I've seen him interacting um well, the, the his whole thing in Rules of Engagement was awesome. Uh, when he was like, I'm not even a Robin. Like, why are you blaming me? You know? Um, I really kind of had an, an admiration for Duke Tom. It's, I think fucking, dude, honestly, Sean Murphy made me like him more than anything. And yeah. to kind of see, like, what the character can become is awesome. And, uh, but yeah, man, I think I like the suit. I don't mind the color. I like the way it looks. I want an action figure of him. And then I see that it's a three-issue mini, and I'm like, God damn it, man, no way. So I'm hoping that uh, that sells well. I'm hoping that people grab onto the character and that we kind of see him uh, come up more often than not. So, But, uh, yeah, fucking huge-ass week of books. Some of the issues that we didn't cover that came out this week, Injustice 2, number 17, um, from what I saw Tom Taylor uh, tweet that his son read an early copy of it, um, his son got very pissed and rolled up the issue and hit his father with it because of something that he put in the issue at the end. So wow. that's going to piss some people off, apparently. Um, Justice League number 36 came out. Green Lanterns 38. Uh, Green Arrow 36 came out, which uh, Legends of Lego Batman has been saying that he's quite enjoying Green Arrow. Um, the art has been pretty awesome in that. And about three or four issues ago, there was the sexiest haircut scene in comics you've ever seen. Um Deathstroke came out, Cyborg, Black Lightning, Bombshells United, and of course the ones we went over were Batman 38, Batman White Knight, uh, Nightwing, and then Batman and the Signal. So monstrous two weeks of comics during the holiday season. No excuse to not go out and uh, read these awesome books. Uh, it was probably the best two weeks we had in a while. Um, uh, I'm I'm not even listening. I'm I'm going now to find out what this shit you were talking about in Injustice is. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it was this issue. Um, if it's yeah, because it's uh, this is the most recent one that came out. I think his son was probably reading his advanced copy of it. So, um, but yeah, I mean the thing is, Injustice has been crazy because it's its own world where Tom Taylor has been able to play with it as much as he wants and you know get crazy with it and do crazy things. So. Um, yeah, but, uh, there you go. There are your books for the last, uh, two weeks, January 3rd. We'll be back next week for another issue of the stack. And, uh, what's, what's that one question you got to ask Robin every week? Where the fuck is the trunkler? <laughs> where the fuck is the trunkler? All right. Uh, hope everybody had a good uh, holiday and we'll catch you guys next week. Later. Bye.